So apparently, it's award season here in the podcasting world. Well, in the professional wrestling community, that is. I've heard about the Wrestling Podcast Awards before. I've heard it last couple of years. Ever since I started doing podcasting before I did uh, the Young Lions Perspective with um, Kevin and Nick. Shout out to my boys, former co-host of the Wrestling With Issues podcast. And if you didn't hear my uh, little 11-12 minute spiel I did last night, um, for those of you who didn't hear that, let me break it down for y'all. So I was sitting here on this couch, just finished watching AEW and all that, going through my Twitter, like I always do, checking out the reactions of everybody, what everybody's saying about AEW and NXT and all that good stuff. And I got a I got a notification in my in my on my Twitter. Uh, it's from the Kings of the Rings podcast. If you haven't heard them, they are a great podcast and really really good shit. And if you haven't heard them before, go check them out. Shameless plug. So I'm going through, and they got announced that they had six nominations uh, for their for the wrestling um, podcast awards, which is by the way sponsored by the Wrestle Hub um, at the Wrestle Hub. Um, definitely a good follow. Shout out to them. And I'm going through, and I'm like, oh shit, wrestling podcast awards. Yeah, I'll, I don't mind voting. I'll vote. Of course, I go, I'm going through my nominations, and I'm picking who I want to win, and all that good stuff, and. We then get to Newcomer of the Year. And so I'm scrolling through and looking at all the names and it's like, you know, all the all the new podcasts for Keys of the Year and all that stuff. And I happened to see the Young Lions perspective as one of the nominees. I literally sat frozen for a good Five to ten minutes, literally just looking at it, and not even it didn't even I didn't even put two two together. It didn't even click in my head that was that I was nominated. Um, this podcast was nominated for an award. I mean, I'm just a yes, Marley. Hi. Come on. Come on. And that was your obligatory Marley moment of the show. And I didn't really, like I said, I didn't put two and two together. I didn't really register in my head that this podcast got nominated for Newcomer of the Year. Nor did I ever even think that would even be a possibility. Nor would I even think that, you know... my podcast had that kind of reach. And so I'm thinking, I'm just like trying to just register it all in my head. Hence why I did the uh, audio from last night. And yes, it is true. This podcast has been nominated for newcomer of the year. Now in the in the wrestling in the podcast wrestling podcasting community, there are so many podcasts out there. Everybody has an opinion. Opinions are like assholes. Everybody's got one. 
and I'm just going through the list of nominees. And there was there's literally, I'm not even gonna front, 15 to maybe 20 on this list. And somehow, some way, this podcast was nominated for newcomer of the year. I I'm still in shock. I'm still in shock. That, you know, just a random podcast from me was even thought of and recognized as one of the best of the best of the newcomers coming up in the game. Never would I have thought in my wildest dreams that I would even be considered for this award. Not in my wildest dreams, nor would I did I ever even think about this podcast being recognized in that in that manner. And so I'm, you know, just setting it doing my setting up my tweets, doing my Instagram post, all that good shit. And then I'm I, I post my post, I tag KO uh, the K Kings of the Rings podcast on it, and they hit me up. And, you know, they congratulated me on, you know, becoming one of the, one of the nominees and, you know, and they said, and, uh, they said something to me that really, really hit me hard and in a good way that you never know really who's really watching and who's really checking for your, your stuff. Who's really listening to your podcast or you never really know who's really watching you. And like I said, I'm just a 31 year old dude from New Jersey who sits here four times a week and has just has a phone, a laptop, and the mental capacity to talk shit. <laughs> if you honestly think about it, and all of that has culminated this very moment into being a nominee for Newcomer of the Year, according to the Wrestling Podcast Awards. So, this is what I want y'all to do. And I said this in my Instagram post last night. I have a pinned tweet right now. If you do not follow me on Twitter, at SwedeSenatorWWI. Follow me on that. Or at least just go to the page. I have a pinned tweet. With the. Because I retweeted. uh, The tweet from one of the people who are part of the wrestling hub. Go on there. Vote for who you want. Of course. Podcast of the year. Best solo. Best duo. Best trio. Mm -hmm. But. When you get to newcomer of the year. You know who to vote for. If you've been rocking with me for this whole year, first and foremost, thank you. But let's let's get that out there now. From now until they stop voting, until voting closes. I don't know exactly when voting closes. I'll find all the information. I'll let you know as soon as possible. Let's tr- let's let's go for it. Let's go for the gold. 
Tell a friend to tell a friend about the podcast. Tell a friend to tell a friend to vote for the Young Lions perspective, even if they don't listen to wrestling podcasts at all. Vote for the Young Lions perspective. Let's see how far we can take this. Let's see if we can really go for the gold and get newcomer of the year. The wrestling wrestling podcast awards goes down Sunday, December 8th. That's when we'll know who will win the award. Even if I don't win the award. The fact that I've been recognized as one of the best new up and coming podcasts, that says that speaks more to me than anything else. But I want to fucking win. I want I want to win this one. I want to show the world that this podcast truly is your alternative for professional wrestling podcast and that we are here to stay. So go on my Twitter at Swade Senator WWI. Go to the pin tweet. Go on the um, the page. The link is in the link will be in that particular tweet that I retweeted. Vote for the Young Lions perspective. Let's see what we can do. Let's see. Let's see if we can shake the world up. Let's see if we can shock the system. One more time. And let's go for that newcomer of the year award. Because, like I said last night, without y'all, this is not possible. Without you taking time out of your day, your night, your afternoon, and your evening, wherever you may be, wherever you are in the world, let's shock the world one more time. Let's do it. At this point, we got nothing to lose. We're playing with house money. So let's go for it. Follow me on Twitter at SwedeSenatorWWI. I'm going to be doing this every day until voting closes. And let's make shit happen, y'all. Let's make let's make some magic happen. Let's fucking shock the system one more time. Again, thank you very much for helping this podcast grow and for helping this podcast be recognized as one of the best of the best of the newcomers. And let's get this shit. Let's go for this award. Let's win this shit. The YLP universe is now is now here. We have arrived. This is episode 127 of the Young Lions Perspective. And with that being said, let us begin. What's going on, guys? Zach from the Wrestling with Issues podcast here, and welcome to episode 127 of the Young Lions Perspective. So glad to have you guys here with me on this Thursday afternoon. I hope you're enjoying your day, your night, your afternoon, and your evening, wherever you may be, wherever you are in the world. Thank you guys so much for checking out this episode of the podcast, and as always, I greatly and truly appreciate it. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, we are now on our champagne campaign to become Newcomer of the Year is recognized by the Wrestling Podcast Awards, sponsored by the Wrestle Hub. And let's do the damn thing. Let's make this shit happen. Let's shock the world. Let's shock the system. <laughs> but enough about that. AEW Dynamite. Go home show last night. 
was a decent go-home show. But there's some things we got to talk about. There's some things we need to speak about. Of course, y'all know this is the love-hate edition, AEW Dynamite edition of love-hate. And we're going to speak on what we liked about the show, what we didn't like about the show. And also, we're going to make our AEW Full Gear preview and predictions on today's episode. Nothing better than that, of course. It's been a while since I've done preview and predictions. And I'm really excited about this pay-per-view. I'm really excited about what they're going to do for this Saturday night's festivities. Which means mon- this uh, this coming Monday, we get to do the good, the bad, and the ugly. That was AEW Full Gear. And I'm really excited about that. I've been wanting to do this. I've been waiting to do this preview and predictions for a long, long time. Ever since they announced their first ever pay-per-view was going to go down this Saturday night. I have been chomping at the bit to want to talk about this pay-per-view. And I can't wait to do it this coming Monday. It's going to be a great, great time. It's going to be fun. We're going to we're gonna have a good time with it. And when we get there, we'll get there. But right now, we got to talk about what I loved about AEW Dynamite last night. So let's get into it. We're not going to waste any time here. we got a lot of stuff to talk, to talk about today. So starting out, the Trent Beretta versus Pac match was wonderful. Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. The ending we'll talk about and what I hated. And you'll and of course, if you watched AEW Dynamite last night, you'll understand why. Now, before we get into that, um, I did see the ratings for AEW Dynamite and NXT, and barely AEW beat NXT last night. Eight twenty-three hundred twenty-three thousand to eight hundred thirteen thousand. So NXT got a huge bump from this past Friday and this past Monday um, with the NXT Invasion angle as we are on the road to Survivor Series in just a few, in just a couple weeks time actually and what I believe will be the last time we see NXT and WWE on the same weekend calendar in terms of pay-per-views that's not, we're not talking about WWE and NXT we're talking about AEW so Tripperetta and Pac, like I said, was a great way to open up last night. Really great way to open up. Um, I was not expecting this type of opening match from AEW. But in terms of a go-home show, they definitely got the ball rolling and the momentum rolling last night. They, they started off the night in a great, great way. This match was fucking fantastic. It was definitely a match that I was I was expecting, but not the kind of match that we were the, the match we were given was just sensational. The crowd the crowd and started on the Charlotte North Carolina crowd was into it. From beginning to end. Of course, Tremperetta came out with uh Chucky e. T and Orange Cassidy and Orange Cassidy is just super over with the crowd. Um, it was this was just one of those matches where you know you did not want to miss anything. Mm, excuse me. It was one of those matches where 
it was one of those matches that you we didn't expect to have have amazing written all over it. But it it whew, they they really both men put on a solid effort and getting the crowd amazingly hyped. Charlotte North Carolina was already amazingly hyped for this, and we all know for the most part, Charlotte North Carolina is without a doubt Flair country. But let it be known, it's also Rose country. And we'll get into that in a little bit. But like I said, this match was fucking amazing. It was one of those things where you if you watch the match, you know exactly what I'm talking about. These two went back and forth. They made Trent Beretta look strong in defeat. They made him look great in defeat. He looked very damn good. He had a great performance in this matchup against Pac. I believe this was his first singles matchup in AEW. Hey, he definitely had a great showing. He went. He pulled out all the stops against Pac. Even one point where Orange Cassidy got involved and did his trademark, you know, you know, little kicks, and looked like he was going to go for the super kick, and then Pac just destroyed him with a big boot, and the crowd was just. Hating all over Pac. Pac definitely. Pac is over as fuck as a heel. And he really did his job and hit his numbers last night. And, you know, Chucky e. T did what he had to do. Orange Cassidy did what, did what needed to be done. This was just sensational from beginning to end. I was thoroughly, like I said, I was thoroughly impressed by Beretta. I was thoroughly impressed that, you know, he was able and allowed to, again, look strong in defeat. He was able to just put on a great performance that will definitely up his value as we go forward. It was, like I said, it was one of those opening matchups that we didn't expect but when we got what we got, man, did did they show up and show out for this one. A fantastic way to kick off the night. A fantastic way to just really get the crowd extra hype for the night's festivities. Which then led into what we did, what happened with Cody Rhodes. But before we get into that, after the matchup, um, he grabbed the mic, told North Carolina to shut your stinking mouth. Hearing, you know, he said he heard what he what Hangman said and that naughty swear word talking about, uh, you know, doing cowboy shit. He said, but it won't matter. At full gear, I'm going to make an example of you again. This is a great way to get him over as a heel, to get the crowd to really hate him. The bastard, of course, on full display. I'm not saying he's going to be the next, you know, top contender for the AEW World Championship. But that all depends on if he's able to defeat Hangman Page on Saturday. 
I, I honestly don't know what to expect from this matchup. This is definitely going to be a good match between him and Hangman. And this, I think this is going to be a solid choice for possible match of the night. I think they're going to go all out for this because they really need to. This is they're they're honestly full gear, no pun intended. And they really kicked off the night in grand style, and you know it's really cool to see um, this matchup. It was really great. It was just really a really good match to open up the night. But I think what the best part of this episode was was Cody Rhodes and the promo that he cut last night. This is probably, and I think I said it on Twitter, this is without a doubt the best promo Cody Rhodes has ever cut in his entire career. Um, this is It's one of the best promos in 2019 for sure. So let's talk about what Cody Rhodes has said. So he's in the ring. And of course, we found out that he was going to announce something a couple of weeks ago. And he is in his hometown of Charlotte, North Carolina. So he grabs the microphone and he says, We're not surprised the arrival of Chris Jericho in the inner circle has been strategic. But this is a short victory lap. The elite was already looking for something like this. They were already looking for a card where they can get perfect matchups for the Young Bucks, Kenny Omega, Hangman Page, and even myself and Dustin Rhodes. So we were looking, and Jericho found us. Now, it is myself and the AEW World Champion as headliners. Tony already knew what this announcement is, and he hopes the fans will humor him as he rattles off some names. He rattled off Eddie Graham, Cowboy Bill Watts, the American Dream Dusty Rhodes, and of course, that easily got the crowd hype as fuck. He says that all of them were titans in our business. The best bell-to-bell, best in the box office. And for those who saw them live, those memories reverberate in our hearts. But for the cold, sterile historians, there is controversy. Because those men were management. I find myself in the same spot. For the last year, everyone has told me, who, who asked me, that he is proud of AEW. The inclusiveness the pay, the schedule, the fact that they'll listen. This is freedom. Fans gave a standing ovation for when they said that. But when I hear the criticism being sent at me, I can't ignore it. Fans chanting, you deserve it, to Cody. But he announced that if he fails to defeat Chris Jericho and win the AEW World Championship, he will never challenge for the title ever again. And that's a very bold statement to make. To, to state that if I never, if I do not beat Chris Jericho on Saturday night at full gear, I will never challenge for the world title ever again. It's bold. Because if he loses... Not only does he have to deal with the embarrassment of never challenging for the title, he will have to deal with the fact that Chris Jericho was the one who is the sole reason that he will never challenge for the title and never become Le Champion 
and possibly indulge in a little bit of the bubbly. Then he looks at the camera as if he was talking to Chris Jericho. He says, that is a big if. Jericho called me an entitled millennial bitch. And yet, Cody didn't see in Jericho's book, A Lion's Tale, which is on sale for Amazon for $3. A, shameless plug, three, B, throwing some fucking shame. That there was the upbringing for Jericho that was so hard. Wow. Must have been so hard being the son of a famous hockey player. They practically had the same silver spoon, you stupid dick. You dismissed every accomplishment I have ever achieved. If I am so entitled, then you are a carny succubus. Crowd really liked that moment. Because the dirty secret is Jericho needs this generation more than this generation needs him. This isn't about my dad, but about my mother, my sister, my wife, and the 14 years it took me to go from undesirable to un-goddamn deniable. I promise that at full gear, I will become the new world champion. Jericho will fall back to his inner circle about the groundswell that's coming. Because when the elite finally gets at the inner circle, we are going to eat you alive. Now let me tell you why this promo resonated and reverberated and just caused shockwaves throughout the industry. Let's go to W. Let's go over to WWE side of things real quick. WWE, in terms of their creative, is shit. If you watch any episode of anything involving WWE, the one thing that Cody Rhodes had that WWE didn't, and they still don't in terms of their promos, is emotion. Cody, you can easily tell in his voice, that man was very, it was very heartfelt. He was emotional. Not in like the not like the sensitive sense of the word, where people would just clown him for being an emotional little shit. But... You could feel that emotion in his voice. Like, this was the biggest match of his life. Not of his career. Of his life. And if you think about it, it is. It is the biggest match of his career. Again, if he loses to Chris Jericho on Saturday night. Becoming AEW World Champion goes out the window. And that's a and that's honestly the best course of action. He is putting it all on the line simply to become AEW World Champion. Everything. This match means everything to him. I win, I become champion. I lose. Say goodbye to ever becoming world champion. You could feel that emotion in his voice. You could honestly feel that through the television screen. I could honestly not tell you the last time I ever, I actually heard a promo that made me feel 
the way I felt when Cody Rhodes cut that promo last night. 14 years to go from undesirable to ungoddamn deniable. The shade he threw at Chris Jericho. Pretty much saying, you're not a lesser man than I am. We're, we basically have the same, same silver spoon. Your dad was a famous hockey player. So how could you call me an, an entitled millennial bitch when you were on the same plane that I was? That hit so hard. And it hit so different. And it was like a breath of fresh air to hear a promo like that. I was thoroughly impressed with this promo. Thoroughly impressed. I was I was talk I was literally yelling at my screen, talk that shit, Cody. Talk that shit. It was it was one of those promos that I felt we need more of in professional wrestling, especially in the mainstream portion of professional wrestling, the WWEs, the AEWs, the ROHs, the NXTs, the NXT UKs. When a man or woman can come out and lay down that kind of emotion to the crowd, and the crowd literally eats it up with a fucking spoon, to have the crowd in the palm of your hand, the way Cody did last night, Roman Reigns could probably take some Go back to a couple years ago after WrestleMania, where Roman, I believe it was Roman Reigns who beat The Undertaker. He had that, he, he looked at the camera, he's saying, I got the, I got you in the palm of my hand. He did it. The reason Cody Rhodes' promo hit so hard and made you feel something was because he brought out raw emotion. Again, something we haven't seen from WWE in years. Listen, I couldn't even tell you the last time I heard a promo that heartfelt, with that kind of emotion, where it meant everything, where everything was on the line. To say what he said, WWE wishes they could emote, you know, emit that kind of emotion from a talent to have it resonate with the crowd like that. I think, the, I think maybe I'm thinking about it, the last time I maybe heard a promo that made me feel something in WWE was Samoa Joe. When it, I believe it was Elimination Chamber. When he literally just went savage on every person who was in that matchup. He shit on everybody. Jeff Hardy, Mustafa Ali, AJ Styles. He had a roast for every person in that ring. I don't think I've heard a promo like that since. I believe that was about almost 10 months ago? Eight, maybe nine, eight, nine months ago at best? He killed that. But Cody absolutely destroyed him. Well done, Cody. Well fucking done. And I hope that we see more of this 
where a, a title match means something, where a match means something. It means that much that a crowd can just literally sit back and enjoy what a person is saying. I'm sure Cody knew at probably halfway toward in the promo that he had that crowd in the palm of his hand. It's going to be crazy to see what Cody will do to become AEW World Champion on Saturday night. We'll see what happens. I'm not going to talk about the tag match between the private party and the Dark Order. It was a decent matchup. Not going to front. It was a decent match. What I do want to talk about, though, is the triple threat match that will be going down this Saturday night for the AEW World Tag Team Championships. SCU, the team of Frankie Kazarian and Scorpio Sky, will defend the titles for the very first time at full gear against the Lucha Bros and Private Party. These are the three best tag teams in the division as we speak. Now, before I get into why I think this is a very why this is, it could now think about it. It could have been Jurassic Express that could have been in this position right now, that where the Lucha Bros are right now. Because I did say the winner of Lucha Bros versus Jurassic Express could be would be in the final, and I'm and that that pretty much happened. It could have been SCUG Jurassic Express. It could have been something like that. Unfortunately, the injury to Luchasaurus kind of derailed those possible plans. But these three at this very moment are the top three teams in the division. And we're not, and we haven't even seen anything with Pride and Powerful towards the World Title Tag, World Tag Team Championship scene yet. As they'll be going up against the Young Bucks this Saturday night. But at this very moment, these are your top three teams in the division, and there's nothing wrong with that. SCU goes hard in the paint. Lucha Bros easily is advertised. If you've seen um, if you've seen every single match they've had, um, with the Lucha Bros and Young Bucks, with you know SCU against Lucha Bros, Private Party has made a name for themselves ever since they made the jump from House of Glory to AEW. They have now become household fucking names, people. They have become household names. I love this. I'm going to love this matchup. I think this, like I said, I am a tag team aficionado. I lie. I'm not that much of a tag team aficionado. Kevin is the Kevin is the wrestling encyclopedia. And I refer to him for a lot of shit. But I love me some tag team wrestling. Um when I think of recent matches, I think of DIY versus AOP versus The Revival. I think of DIY versus The Revival. I think of The Undisputed Era versus The Street Profits. I think of The Fatal 4-Way at TakeOver 25. I think of matches like that. That, you know, made a, div- a division a division. And it's going to be matches like Saturday Night's Tag Team Title Match that will make this division. That will help build the foundation of what the division standard is. I, I will, like I said, I will tell you guys who I think will win coming up very soon in this episode. But I can tell you this: 
they are going to make, they're going to be in the money. They're going to be in the running to become match of the night. Garon fucking to it. I think these three teams can definitely put on a display of tag team wrestling. The likes of a AOP DIY and revival a couple years ago in NXT. It's a beautiful thing to see tag team wrestling be shown like this in its capacity. I think these three teams are really going to show up and show the fuck out on Saturday night. I don't know how they're going to structure it. They may structure it the same way WWE does, where two team two guys start tagging tagging anybody you want and go from there, or it could just be an all out. All six men in the ring go fucking bananas. We don't know how this will work. But you know what? The unknown is sometimes cool. I don't know exactly what to expect from this. These, like I said, the, like, I think Mark Quinn and Isaiah Cassidy are the true wild cards in this matchup. SCU is solidified. Lucha Bros are solidified. And the private party, although we now know their names, they can make themselves a true household name in this matchup they are going to i know they're gonna go all out i know they're gonna go all out from bell to fucking bell it's gonna be a banger of a match and i can't wait to see what happens the video that the inner circle had the video that video package was fucking Hilarious, And the simple fact was they did it along the same lines that Cody did when he had his video package starting off the same card, starting, starting off pretty much the same way. Um, Jericho was in the dining hall, you know, just sitting there with the world championship, you know, Sammy Guevara comes in, um, bringing some options for the bubble over to Le Champion, immediately parading Cody Rhodes. He's not focusing, you know, starting, you know, just in his thoughts. Just, I don't know what he's focusing on, thinking about stuff. The same way Cody did. I immediately laughed my ass off because I knew exactly what they were doing. Throwing shade at Cody the same way that they, that Cody, <laughs> Cody did when he did his uh, video package. You know, Brandy was there going over the itinerary for the day. And next thing you know, Cody was just like, yeah, okay. All right, babe. Gives her, gives him a kiss in the gives her a kiss in the forehead and goes about his business. They did this video package the exact same way. You know, Sammy saying, you know, Jer- Jericho is like a father to him. Hearing that Cody would be Jericho's challenger of full gear, he said he knew it was already over for him. You know, he parodies his spending in time. He was in the hyperbaric chamber. You know, that got me that got me in my DBZ uh DBZ feels real quick. You know, saying Jericho's the face of the company, is champion, and being champion means he's the face of the company. And then we got fucking Soul Train Jones, aka fucking Virgil. What in the absolute fuck? Oh, I, I, I was just like, are you fucking kidding me? I laughed at that when I saw Virgil. You ain't Soul Train Jones, bitch. You Virgil, all right? And he's trying to make people pay you fifty dollars for him. Shut the fuck up, boy. Santana then comes into frame and says, I dare you to name another man that works as, works harder than Chris Jericho. Cody, you just got to let it go and move on. Ortiz then says, Jericho is a grown man, but Cody's a boy. Cody has no chance. We then have Patricia Bobsky, who is a, a friend of Jericho's aunt from church. He says, you remember, you remember Jericho as a young boy. 
And I knew he grew up to be the AEW world champion. In my heart, I pray that Cody just survives. This was probably the line of the video package. Sammy comes back into frame and says, Jericho is in the prime of his life at 48. The youngest AEW world champion in history. He's the only fucking champion in history. God damn it. I've lost my shit when I'm like, are you fucking like, oh my God. I mean, yes, it is true that he is the youngest AEW world champion in history. I'm just like, are you fucking kidding me, dude? Holy shit. Jake Hager comes in the frame, pretty much doesn't say a fucking word. They called him the Big Hurt. I laughed at that. Uh, I was just literally laughing the entire time. I was fucking, it was fucking great. Um, Virgil then says he knows Jericho is the greatest of all time. Jericho then has a training montage the same way Cody does. Excuse me. Patricia then says, I know Jericho will beat the shit out of Cody at full gear. But then going back to Chris Jericho saying, you know, I have such a hard time waking up and realizing how, realizing how amazing I am. Hager still got nothing to fucking say. <laughs> Jericho then says, uh, Jones, Virgil says, Jericho's talent, Jericho's talent is like the Olive Garden's breadsticks. Unlimited. We then end with Jericho saying, I only have one thing on my plate. Drinking a bit of the bubbly. I have to worry about where to go for the best. And that's a lot of pressure. But it is a responsibility I have to face. Because I am Le Champion. This was hilarious. Absolutely fucking hilarious. Holy fucking shit. It was it was absolutely fucking funny as shit. Let me see what we got here. I know there's at least one more thing I want to talk about. Okay, because we got like two things I want to get, I want to talk about before we end this segment. So Brandy Rhodes is in, is beginning her transformation towards the dark side. We know what happened last week with, she attacked Jamie Hayter. Um, Jen Decker was conducting an interview with her about her loss. Um, Brandy Rhodes then came out and attacked her. No reason. Just went for it. But this is this is this was an actual this was a surprisingly great segment, a surprisingly great promo. She's sitting there um, with her glass of wine, cosplay the fuck out, showing a little leg. You know what I mean? I am just a man. I am merely just a man. Brandy Rose fine. Fuck you. She's fine. And you know, have you seen her Instagram, boy? Have you seen her? But Anyway, so we get let's get into this promo real quick. She starts by saying, I have worked so hard to get to where I am today, and yet I'm still constantly dismissed for my merit because of who I am. I'm only here because of Cody. I am just another pretty face. While they were all trying to paint me as the clown, they forgot one thing. Calling me stupid doesn't make that so. And now I've outsmarted you quicker than you can say bib. Mm. She was hitting him with it. I know dreams and nightmares, but there is nothing like a night terror. Of course, they were flashing Awesome Kong's face as she was cutting this promo. Awesome Kong's body 
my brain, and they will tear apart the dreams and make everyone long for nightmares. I don't have authority. Not that I've ever really wanted or needed it. All I need is lapsed judgment. They can't stop her. You can't deny us. So the question is, who are the bullies now? This is definitely becoming... This is becoming a little something interesting. Um, You know, a nice little slow burn never hurt anybody. Unless you have your hand over an open flame and you're a fucking idiot, first and foremost, but a nice little slow burn into becoming a different character goes a long way. And I'm being brutally honest. I want to go to say Bailey kind of fits that slow burn mold, in a sense. Because over time, I'd say over the last couple of months, she has become a heel, essentially. But you could say that this was a true slow burn for Bailey to becoming this, you know, bitch-like heel. But doing it in such a way that she still thinks she's in the right. You know, I'm doing it for y'all. I'm doing it for you guys. You know, all this shit. And I fucking love that. I love it. Now, if they change Bailey's music, I would appreciate Bailey a lot more. But nonetheless, it's kind of in the same wavelength. This honestly just came out of nowhere. To be truthfully honest, it really did. Nobody really expected this. I didn't expect it. Not at all. And that's what I appreciate. You know, something that can come out of nowhere and just go fucking super left. And is blossoming into this character that I'm interested in seeing develop. You know what I mean? I'm interested to see this character develop. I can't wait to see what they do with her going forward. Especially with Awesome Kong by her side. We know Awesome Kong is already AEW. It's just going to be a matter of time to see what they do with Awesome Kong and Brandy Rhodes going forward. It definitely will lead to a possible championship victory for Awesome Kong if they decide to go that route. Maybe Nyla Rose wasn't the one that was supposed to take out Rio. Maybe their maybe their you know plans are to go after Rio and scare the living daylights out of Little Miss Rio. All 105 pounds of her. She's tiny y'all. I I'm sorry, she's just tiny. Adorable, but tiny. Who knows what this will lead to? And you know what? That's okay. That's going to lead to something fantastic when it finally comes to true fruition. And we, you know, see it finally in front of our faces. And lastly, and what I loved about AEW Dynamite last night, it's not so much the main event that I worried about because the ma- the match was good. It was a good tag team main event. It was really nice um, to see Sammy Guevara and Chris Jericho versus Hangman Page and uh, Kenny Omega. 
Great match. Inner Circle got the victory. Um, Jericho gets the pin on Hangman. Hits the Judas effect. One, two, three. Cool. It was what happened after the match that got that that should be the thing that, that was the like the lasting impression because the lasting impression is what's going to get you hype for full gear Saturday night. They already got you hype in the beginning with Beretta and Pac. They ended it just as well because after that they started beating Hangman down. Hager grinding the knee in the Hangman's chest. Jericho stomps Omega out of the ring. Out comes Cody. Hager and Jericho clear the ring. Sammy doesn't, didn't realize it in time. He gets the road to uppercut. Sammy rolls out. Cody gets all fired up. He dares Jericho to get back in the ring. But Jericho hangs back. But Cody, uh, Jericho, and Hager don't realize MJF are, is right behind them with a steel chair. He smacks Hager with the chair. Taps Jericho's shoulder. Says, hey, buddy, what's up, man? Oh, this chair? Nothing. Hits him with it in the stomach. Brings Jericho back to Cody in the ring, hits crossroads on Jericho, picks up the AEW World Championship, holding it high in the ring. Out comes John Moxley, as he promised to be here tonight, brings a barbed wire bat. Charlotte's going bananas as Moxley and Omega are in the ring. Moxley raising the bat high, Jericho going after Cody, Jericho drags Cody out, MJF goes to save him, he then starts brawling with Hager, Omega is more worried about evening the odds with Moxley, he brings out the barbed wire broom, hands are going at this point absolutely shit. Santana Ortiz come out they start beating down Omega and Moxley and honestly Moxley gonna remember that shit fans start booing uh, Santana Ortiz out come the Young Bucks they dodge the barbed wire into a super kick then dive on the outside don't pay suicidas they drag uh, Power Powerful away as they brawl toward the uh, the ramp and they're just fighting and the elite in the circle are just fighting everywhere Referee's try to get out. Ortiz bites Nick Jackson, throws him into the girders. Santana dragging Matt up to combine with Ortiz. Omega makes the save. Hits a V-trigger. Moxley gives Ortiz the paradigm shift. Like I said, Moxley go remember that. They start brawling with each other. Omega and Moxley end up going down a tunnel. That They're out of the picture now. Channing, Charlotte's going bananas. Channing AEW. Matt and MJF. They brawl with the inner circle. Nick Climbs up to the entryway. Hits a senton off of that. Everybody goes sprawling out to the floor. Jericho hits the cameraman. He's down. And the elite in group, regrouping while the inner circle runs to the ring. And then it explodes into another huge brawl from that. And that's how they ended full gear. That was how, that is honestly how you end full gear. Holy shit. This was a really, in terms of what they did, this was a really, really good episode of AEW. It was a fantastic episode. Um, the Just everything that I've stated of what I love made this show fantastic. That's what got that 823,000 people to show up, actually beating their number from last week, which is always a win, um, especially for a go-home show. You actually gained viewership, and you all know I'm always going to be AEW on Wednesdays, and I will always catch up with NXT. More, more like I'll be watching that a little bit before the uh, Thursday night game. Um, Yeah, I mean, 
the, the Spears Cutler stuff, I really didn't care for. Janela coming out, though, and going after Spears was pretty cool. Um, so it's going to probably be Spears and Janela going forward after Full Gear. That'll be a little bit of a feud, which I'm not mad at. In that aspect, it was a very good episode. Um, you got to think, they just fin- they, they just gave you an entire month's story, uh, six weeks of storyline that culminated with last night. Was it the best? Was it, the, was it their best show? Not by a long shot. That probably was week three. Week three or four. That was their best episode. But this episode really got, if you were into already into full gear, that this episode got you even more into full gear. So we'll see what happens with that. So that is what I loved about AEW Dynamite last night. We're going to take a short break here from our sponsor, and then we're going to get into what I hated about last night's episode of AEW Dynamite. And there are some things we really need to talk about. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Alright, we are back with episode 127 of the podcast, of course, and now we get into what I hated about AEW Dynamite. Now, there's not this ain't gonna be a long one. This segment of the show will not take long at all. It's mainly two things that came out of this that I absolutely did, just despised. We begin by talking about the opening matchup of the night. I love this match, don't get me wrong, between Trent and Pac. The ending pissed off a lot of people last night. My reactions my reactions I saw on Twitter, oh my fucking God. And I didn't like it either. So let's talk about it. Let's get into the last little bit of the match. After Cat Orange Cassidy got destroyed with a big boot, after his sloth kicks, don't get me wrong, I love them sloth kicks, this is fucking hilarious. After Pac takes Cassidy, bring it out Cassidy, he turns around to the Trent's lariats, it's a half and half suplex, he bails out, Trent goes on the outside with a tope on Hio. Trent drags up Pac, throws him into the barriers. Fans chanting, this is awesome. Another Irish whip sends Pac hard into the railing, Pac hobbling around. The ring, Trent on the pursuit. He then whips Pac a third time. Pac goes for the reversal, only for Trent to stop himself and spear him on the return shot. He then throws Pac in the ring, stalking behind him. Hits him with a shining wizard to the back of the head, gets a cover, and gets a two count out of that. Trent's not landing up, looming over Pac now, angry for what Pac had done to Cassidy. He gets back up, swing and a miss. Pac goes for Pac gets up, swings and a miss. Trent hits a lariat on him, then hits a tornado DDT going off of the turnbuckles, gets a two count out of that. Pac rolling to the outside. Trent once again on the pursuit. Only get caught in a suplex. Into a brain buster on the outside. Referee checking on both men. They look okay to continue. They start a new ring count. Pac gets up at two. Trent stirring at four. They get up at five. Pac puts Trent in at six. He then goes up to the top rope. Trent immediately in the drop zone. Hits the black arrow. One. Two. Wait. What? Wait. Pac then 
puts on the brutalizer submission. Trent passes out. Pac wins. The reason why everybody got so pissed the fuck off is because the referee did not count three. You want to talk about a botch on national television? Yeah, this was probably one of the easily most easiest botches I have probably seen in 2019. This will probably be botch of the year, hands down. You literally have Trent laid out from the Black Arrow. It's over. I was speaking with my buddy Russell. Now, the one thing I love about Russell is that he actually used to train as a professional wrestler. Um, he knows people that have trained with him. Um, so, and here's a fun fact for y'all. One of the guys he actually used to train with, let's take it back a year or so. If you remember the Sami Zayn-Bobby Lashley rivalry, and we all know how much of a dreadful day that was, um, the one black guy with the pencil mustache wearing a dress that was supposed to be one of Bobby Lashley's sisters, quote-unquote, he actually trained with him. <laughs> Not kidding. I can... Trust me. Yeah, he yeah, he told me that flat out. We He watched the segment last night. I watched the segment that night. We came in the next day. He's like, dude, you're not going to believe this. I'm like, what? Okay, so you saw the segment with Sami Zayn and Bobby Lashley, right? I was like, yeah, it was actually fucking dreadful. It made me want to fucking bomb. He's like, yeah, I know, same. But one of the... You remember the guy with the, uh, the slick back hair and the pencil mustache? Yeah. I used to train with him. I broke out laughing immediately once I found that out. Fun fact, actually. But Russell used to train. Used to train in professional wrestling. And I I know so I can understand so I know for a fact that he and we talked about this actually today, well, because we both work in the same department now. So it makes for an even more fun conversation. We could just talk shit all day a lot about wrestling and not get bothered one bit. He was just like, why didn't they just count fucking three? I said, I'm right there with you. He told me, in a situation like that, the referee just has to count three and call the matchup. And that's it. There's no need for a botch like that to have been taking place. And that's why I like, that's why I dig Russell. Amongst other things. Our humor is just both fucked up. We just joke on, talk shit all day. But... Seeing, understanding that insight from him and having help helps me understand a little bit more. I've learned a lot from Russell. The fact that he understands the game a little bit more because he was involved in it. So it, get, it helps me get a little bit more insight. And I pick his brain a little bit from time to time. Um, he tells me stories of, of shit, of which I will never, ever speak on the air because I don't think any of y'all would believe it, to be truthfully honest. And there's some things I keep to myself under the tuck. And I know he'll greatly appreciate that. I won't tell anything stories. Trust me. I know. Trust me. He's told me some shit. And I'm just like, nah. And he's like, yeah. And I'm like, mm-hmm. And he's like, mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay. But he he really was in the same way I am. If you understand the wrestling game, in a situation like that, the referee just needs to just count three. Why he stopped the count 
is beyond my train of thought. It didn't make any sense. He was done. Stick a fork in him. He's done with medium ripless. He was done. The match was over. Yet we don't know. And, and, and you can and you can easily see if you watch that matchup. You don't even have to watch the whole thing. Just go back. Let's go to the last like two, three minutes of the matchup. Perfect black arrow. In flush, clean as a whistle. And you can easily see Trent shoulder never came up at all. Not even a millimeter off the mat. It was done. Now, this harkens back to the, what was it? All Out, I think. When it was um, Janela, Darby Allen, and Jimmy Havoc. And they had, it was a triple threat match. Um, the ending of that was, the ending of what was supposed to be, what I believe was, Havoc was supposed to put Janela through the um, barrel. I believe it was supposed to be a superplex or, so, or, I believe, or something like that. And it didn't break. You know the match, what I'm talking about. It didn't break. So luckily, Havoc had the wherewithal to hit the Acid Rainmaker, put him through the barrel, one, two, three, match was over. Now, in that case, I'm okay with it because I know they were supposed to go through that barrel. Now, I even listened to the Joe Cronin show, I think right after that, and he even and Joe Cronin even said that it was supposed to break, it didn't break, Havoc had the wherewithal to take Janela, hit the Acid Rainmaker, and get the pin. Fine with that. He was perfectly fine with it, and so was I. In this case, this was as blatant as you could get. This is as blatant a fail as you absolutely could get. How you could just not just count that third fault count is foolish and I'm sure the referee got a little bit of talking to in the back by AEW management especially Cody now I'm sure they probably didn't go at him like I would have gone at him personally I'm gonna take a sip of water real quick because you know I got what the buggy look at delicious beyond raw good stuff great product shameless plug But yeah, that was probably as blatant a fail as you could get. That was an epic fail. And everybody on Twitter that I saw on my timeline shit all over that ending. Every last bit of it. Just, just straight up shit on it. And it deserved to be shit on. It deserved to be shit on. Because that is not the way you end a matchup. Props to Pac for improvising in that moment and putting on the brutalizer submission. Trent for going along with it and passing out. Smart move on both of them. Another uh, situation that kind of is kind of like blatant um, was the Pac versus Chris Jericho match back in when they both were still in WWE. Pac went for a baseball slide, hit it, but hurt his ankle in the same time. 
Um, he kicked him once. Now, I've seen the video of the match itself and the video of when of, of the match again, but you could actually hear what Neville was, uh, now Pac was saying. I'm not, I'm not going to refer to him as Neville. They are in AEW now. Pac hit him once with a kick, hit him again and told Jericho, that was real. My ankle, I, I messed up my ankle. I'm hurt. So Jericho with the world all to realize that I think he hit Jericho. I think he hit Pac with a um a code breaker of some sort, and then went after the referee. Immediately goes after the referee, grabs him. You know, basically tell him stop the match. He's hurt. Referee kind of didn't get it. Referee thought he was going along with it. I think it was I think uh, Bear going for a pin or something like that, and the referee went for it. Thought it was just status quo. Jericho goes at him and says, he's hurt. He grabs his shirt. He said, stop the fucking match. He's hurt. Basically telling the referee to just give me a DQ. Give me a DQ. He's hurt. Referee kind of didn't get it. He grabbed him by the, the shirt and said, stop the fucking match. He is hurt. Probably not in that context, if I remember correctly. But referee then calls for the bell. And the referee and Chris Jericho had an argument. With the referee still not realizing that Pac was literally hurt, and that led to Pac being out for several months with an ankle injury. Now, I'm sure after that, the referee talked with Chris Jericho. He apologized, went to Neville, or Pac, I'm sorry, apologized to him for not realizing what the situation was. But that's kind of blatant in that sense. But uh, something like that, you really can't shy away from, and you really can't, you really can't uh, cover that. That was a blatant lapse in judgment, and I'm sure next time he does a uh, does a spot like does something like that, he will realize not to to just count the three count and not be a dumb dumb. Now the one th- now like I said, there was only two things I wanted to talk about. And this is the second. My biggest concern about EEW going forward from now until they realize this shit smacks him upside the head is the AEW women's division mid card scene main event scene tag team scene fire as hell hotter than canes flames coming through the mat fire but the women's division in AEW is gonna is gonna worry me and the reason it worries me not because of the tag match that we got last night. That was a good match between Jamie Hayter, Emi Sakura, and Rio and Shanna. And don't get me wrong, I love me to look at some Shanna. I'm just a man. I merely... You know what I'm talking about. Shut up. <laughs> she fine. Damn. Let me, let me appreciate. Shit. Got me all caught up with my shit. Feelings and whatnot. Anyway... The AEW Women's Division is is a bit of a weak point. And it concerns me big time. Because the one thing I don't want AEW to do is forget about the Women's Division. I know I've saw plenty um, on Twitter last night from men and women. Mostly women. But there were men out there who really were kind of blasting AEW for not really showcasing the women in a, in a manner that we know they can be showcased. Now, with B. Priestley and Britt Baker at the buy-in match, 
um, Saturday night. Um, that will definitely, um, that was probably the, the one main thing that we got out of this for the women's division so far, as it is the only like secondary few they have going. Now they have shown, show, sorry, showcasing the women on AEW Dark. We did get Mercedes Martinez and Big Swole versus Sadie Gibbs and Allie. And that was good. That was a good match. And knowing that Big Swole, I believe Mercedes Martinez and Big Swole are signed to AEW, if I'm not mistaken, please let me know. But I was, I'm kind of shocked that AEW really isn't showcasing their women better. I understand that they don't, they don't have the best women's division in all of professional wrestling. That honor will go to the NXT women's division every day, twice on Sunday, three times in a leap year, and four times on my birthday. College boy. But it is a cause for concern. For the simple fact that Rio, Little Miss Rio, is the AEW Women's World Champion, which is dope. I like it. Shock surprise when she won the title over Nyla Rose. I thought that was a glorified home game for uh, Miss Rose. And Nyla lost at home against Rio. Rio is over as fuck. In the last six weeks, she has become one of the most over women in AEW right now. Britt Baker, over. B. Priestley, over as a heel. Not so much after that. It's borderline WWE main roster women's territory. Not being showcased enough. One match per week. And they're getting more shine on AEW Dark for those who actually watch it on YouTube. And for those who don't watch AEW Dark, they're not really seeing any of the women's talent. And I, actually, just something else just came to my mind, and we'll talk about that in a second for, to end, before we end this portion of it. Because there's, a, there's another thing that kind of concerned me about last night's episode. A light one, but nonetheless, we'll talk about it. But after Rio, Baker, and Priestley... There really isn't anyone else on the totem pole. Now, you could probably say there's Sadie Gibbs, there's there's Allie, there's Mercedes Martinez, there's um, Penelope Ford, there's... Shit, who am I forgetting? You get the point, though. You get the point. And it's a big concern of mine because I want every aspect of AEW to outshine WWE. It's a little vendetta of mine, just a self vendetta. You know, I want them. I want them in every aspect to be better than than main roster. No, I will never ever go against the NXT because NXT is the shit. And but I will. But I want. But the thing is, if you have your main event scene fire, mid card scene fire. No title yet, but we will get there eventually. Tag team scene fire. When your women's division is, eh, it becomes a problem. To me, at least, it's a problem. I know they're bringing in a lot of talent for AEW's division, for women's division. But over the past six weeks, they haven't really been showcased in a proper light. And that concerns me. It really, really does. 
one match per week will not get this division over. Now, Brandy Rhodes promo, dope as fuck. I love that promo, and I did enjoy it. I thoroughly enjoyed it. I thought it was a great thing. I thought it was fan-fucking-tastic. Thought it was good. I enjoyed it. But if you're going to help this division get over, you have to bring more to the table for us to actually give a shit about this division, about a Sadie Gibbs, about a Mercedes Martinez, about a Emi Sakura, about a Shanna, about a Jamie Hayter, a Big Swole, a Penelope Ford. I need more than just one women's tag match and a promo package from Brandy Rhodes. I want to see more. I expect to see more. And I don't want AEW to forget about its women's division. I don't want the women's division to get lost in the shuffle. I don't. That's the last thing AEW needs is for their women's division to get lost in the shuffle. No one needs that. No one needs to see that. And like I said, there's a lot of concern on social media about AEW not showcasing their women's division enough. Like I said, AEW Dark, they do showcase them, but they're also showcasing them in tag matches. Not so much singles matches. It's a big concern of mine because I know that they have talent there in in AEW. They have a ton of talent there. They really, really do. They have a lot of talent they can bring to the table for AEW. But... The last thing we need to see is them being is AEW's women's division being lost in the sauce. Like I stated, the one thing they're gonna have to do with the women's division is A, have a proper championship feud. They kinda aren't doing that right now. AEW just had Rio's title defense first title defense against Britt Baker. Now, what they could have done and how I would have booked it is to have Rio take on Britt Baker, same way you do it, right? B. Priestley gets involved. And turn that into a triple threat match. Causes the DQ, Britt Baker doesn't get her shot at becoming champion. You then intertwine two feuds, two kind of feuds into one. Britt Baker not being able to possibly defeat Rio and become the new women's world champion, but B. Priestley is the cause, is the root cause of that. Now, if I remember correctly, B. Priestley kind of had some beef, a little bit of Rio, I could be wrong, but that now includes Rio. Now that, now you have a little main feud for the women's title, and honestly, even better, you have a proper triple threat match for the title. And now you... and But in, but what they did do is in, just insert Emi Sakura in as her next challenger. 
You see the difference? That's the difference. You could have honestly had a better time giving us a triple threat match with Baker, Priestley, and Rio than you would just having Rio and Sakura for the championship that you literally just built in about two weeks with no rhyme or reason. That's why it concerns me. On top of that, what you could have done is you could have started having women's match, women's singles matches during your AEW Dynamite shows. You could have them during AEW Dark, help start building up a couple talents, you know, and then like a Sadie Gibbs and an Allie or a, uh, a Penelope Ford, you know, start building up your other talent that are going to be involved in this division. And help figure out your next possible contender for the title. Until we get to when Riho does lose the championship. To whoever that may be. But. They kind of really dropped the ball. In these six weeks. With the women's division in AEW. And that's going to be a concern of mine going forward. Especially now. Once we get past full gear. Hopefully. They realize that. They, they go back to the drawing board and start to realize, okay, how can we help showcase the talent and help build up future contenders for the AEW Women's World Title? I honestly do hope they realize that, they see that mistake, and actually, after full gear, correct that mistake. And that's going to be a big deal for, for me. And it should be a big deal for you, especially if you do believe in the women's division and the talent that they have on display. Now, the last thing I would I'll, I'll talk about briefly um, the amount of tag matches that we've had um, as of late. Three of the five matches on last night's card were tag matches. I would have liked to see a little bit more variety in my uh, cards for Dynamite. Um, there's, a, there's been a lot of tag matches lately, um, especially on AEW Dynamite cards. I'd be more suited to see that on a dark card, on an EW dark card, and maybe, I mean, everything did intertwine. Don't get me wrong, the matches were great, but you can't always rely on a tag match just to help intertwine storylines. If it does mean something, if it means a lot to those parties involved, then yes, include it. But when it comes to, you know, just having a random, just having, just put two guys together in this, it kind of, you know, Leaves a little bit of a bad taste in my mouth. Um, like I said, hopefully after full gear, they have they will rectify it. They will go back to the drawing board and think, okay, this build, we kind of, you know, had too many tag matches. Maybe we want to go with a little bit more with singles matches, help build up, you know, contenders for the AEW world title because you're going to need contenders for the world title going forward. After Cody and Jericho, who's your next guy? You, you haven't established a mid-card title yet. So you kind of have to start establishing bigger names and better, and you know, start building up that that list of contenders. Who is going to be next in line? What about person after that? Start building that up because you're going to need to do that going forward. And that's just a little something like that. But that, ladies and gentlemen, was your AEW love hate for 
AEW's Dynamite from last night. We're going to take a quick break, and then we finally, finally get into the preview and predictions for the Saturday night's AEW Full Gear card. I'm excited to do this. I hope you are too. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Alright, ladies and gentlemen, this is the portion of the show where I make very, very bad decisions in my predictions, and 90% of the time, I'm going to get all of them wrong. I'm kidding, I don't get all of them wrong. Sometimes I'm right. Sometimes I'm right. But a majority of the time, I am horribly wrong. But this, ladies and gentlemen, is your AEW Full Gear Preview and Predictiones. This gonna be fun. Um... Full Gear is this Saturday night, and it is shaping up to be a possible defining moment for the company as a whole. It's going to be a very, very big night for AEW, as this is their first official pay-per-view that involves a weekly episodic television programming episodes, all that good stuff. So, expectations are quite high for AEW. A lot of people are really looking forward to this pay-per-view, as am I. I am really excited to see what they're going to do with this pay-per-view. I'm really interested to see what they're going to bring to the table. And that's a good thing. Like I said, expectations are very, very high for this company. A lot of people out there are expecting this to be a great show. A lot of people are expecting this show to absolutely bomb. Because they still believe it's a t-shirt company. They still believe that, you know, AEW isn't good. AEW doesn't even hit. AEW is not going to actually do what they're supposed to do. They're not going to make their numbers. They're not going to be NXT in the ratings. And they've gone six straight weeks winning in the ratings. Now, this week was the closest week so far. A 10,000 viewer difference. 10,000 viewers was the difference between AEW winning and AEW losing the week or a tie I should say but a lot of factors are going into this pay-per-view a lot is riding on this pay-per-view if this show and I expect the show to really be a great show I expect AEW to really come out guns blazing and pull out all the stops. And they really have pulled out all the stops for this car for the most part. Of course, we're getting the John Moxley Kenny Omega first ever non-sanctioned lights out match. 
We're getting Chris Jericho defending the AEW World Championship against Cody. We're getting the Young Bucks versus Santana and Ortiz. Adam Page versus Pac. B. Priestley B- Baker. Rio defending the championship or Women's World Championship for a second time against her mentor, Emi Sakura. SoCal Uncensored defending their championship for the first time in a three-way tag team match against the Lucha Brothers, who they defeated to become the tag team champions. And now Private Party, who they defeated in a bronze medal match against the Dark Order in order to get their spot in the triple threat matchup. A lot... If this pay-per-view does not exceed expectations, there will, I guarantee you there will be people in the wrestling community that will honestly say this was a failure. I, for one, believe that this show, I think, will exceed expectations. A lot of people... Like myself, are, is, are are very positive about this show. We know this. We know what AEW has done. They've given you six weeks of proof of what they are capable of. Now it's time to cash out. For me personally, AEW was was pretty much playing with house money. They are playing with house money still. And I can tell that a lot of people are are picking their favorite matches so far. I want this show to be the best show it could possibly be. For a first time, for the first pay-per-view of their company, as it not in history, but as an actual episodic program, their first show after their weekly television programming, excuse me, this probably means more than anything to AEW. This means a whole hell of a lot to the professional wrestling community. And we'll see what happens on Saturday night. All eyes will be on Baltimore, Maryland in the Royal Farms Arena for full gear. And that's a fact. And we're really going to see what AEW can do when they finally complete their storylines going into this event. So with that being said, let's get into the predictions. Starting off, this match was actually just announced, I believe, sometime between last night and now. Joey Janela, after what, after the actions of uh, Sean Spears last night, um, after the match that Spears had against Cutler, Spears attacked Cutler after the matchup. Out came Joey Janela, and it was announced on AEW Countdown to Full Gear that Janela will be facing Sean Spears at Full Gear. 
Now, this is a bit of a toss-up for me, personally, because Sean Spears is starting to get a bit of a come-up. Joey Janela, to be truthfully honest, um, has had some really, really good matches um, so far. And he's had matches with Kenny Omega, the triple threat match with uh, Darby Allen and Jimmy Havoc. And he's really put on some good performances. So I was really surprised that... I was very, very surprised that, you know, Janela Spears was the matchup. So... Now this match, like I said, this matchup is a very interesting one because it came out of nowhere. I'm, I'm assuming it'll probably be on the buy-in. In this case, I'm actually going to go with Joey Janela to defeat Sean Spears. I think Joey Janela. I think Joey Janela probably will get the rub. And so this is Sean Spears winning wouldn't be a, necessarily a bad thing. But I think in this case, I think Janela can pull it out. I think Janela, this might be a feud going forward. So they're going to test the, I think they're testing the waters a little bit at full gear. And I can see this to be a decent match on the card. And. I think Janela definitely deserves the victory. I think Janela definitely has put in the work to, and he's gotten himself over with the crowd. I think Janela will pull it out over Sean Spears on Saturday night. B. Priestley and Britt Baker is the one of the matchups that really intrigues me. Now, during a tag match between B. Priestley and Shoko Nakajima, when they took on Rio and Britt Baker at Fight for the Fallen. Um, and this is going off of the promo that Baker, uh, Britt Baker had cut. Priestley immediately upon her getting into the ring, kicked Baker in the back of the head and gave her a concussion. Then at the all-out buy-in pre-show and to determine who would be fighting for the AEW Women's World Championship, Baker was one of the final two. Priestley helped Rose, Nyla Rose eliminate her, allowing Nyla Rose to get the victory and become one of the one of the contenders for the AEW Women's World Championship. So, like I said, she, she allowed the elimination of Baker, allowing Nyla Rose to win. And then, and this past Tuesday, it was announced that Baker and Priestley were going to go one-on-one fully at full gear. Now, this is one of, one of the better feuds that they have built leading up to this, leading up to full gear. And...
This is one of those matches I'm really excited to see. I can't wait to see what these two are going to do when they go one-on-one against each other. Now, Britt Baker did lose to Rhea. And her shot at becoming the AEW Women's World Champion. B. Priestley really hasn't been featured that much. With that being said, I'm going to go with Brick Baker to make B. Priestley tap. I think it's going to be one of those things where I think Britt Baker needs this more than B. Priestley does. You know, for everything that B. Priestley has done to her over the past few months. Eliminating her from the buy-in battle, uh, battle royal. Kicking her in the back of the head to start off everything to get, and gave her a concussion. Now we go into full gear this Saturday night, and I can't see anything but a B. Priestley loss. And Britt Baker finally getting her comeuppance on B. Priestley and making her tap out to Lockjaw. I think this is going to be a great match. I think this is going to be a really, really fun match to watch. I think this is going to be... I think this will be a, a, the better women's match of the night. If I'm being brutally honest with y'all. We'll see what happens, but I'm going to go with Britt Baker to beat E. Priestley. Adam Page versus Pac. This is going to be a fun, this is a clear-cut candidate for match of the night. Easily clear-cut candidate for match of the night. Without question. These two hate each other's guts. And these two want to rip each other's fucking head off. Adam Page is going to come out with his cowboy shit. Wants to do some cowboy shit. Pac is going to want to just make Hangman go to sleep again with the Brutalizer. Both either men, both men have one match apiece against each other. Both men have won already once. Like I said, I'm, I'm really excited to see how this matchup goes. The final act of this feud. I would be very curious to see what happens when these two face each, face each other and face off for the last time. And this is, like I said, this is going to be a banger of a matchup. Let's take it back a little bit. At Double or Nothing, 
Adam Page was supposed to face Pac. But due to creative differences with Dragon Gate, given the fact that Pac was actually the current reigning Open the Dragon Gate champion, and there and the creative, of course, we had spoken and we had spoken about this, y'all. Pac was set to lose. If I'm not mistaken. Hang, they were booking Hangman to defeat Pac. Pac wanted no fucking part of it. So, unfortunately, we never got that match. Pac made his official debut at All Out, defeating Kenny Omega um, after John, it was found out John Moxley had MRSA and had a, a, a bursa sack that he had to get rid of in his elbow. And we ne- and we were supposed to get Omega Moxley at All Out. Unfortunately, like we said, that never happened. Pac came in at a moment's notice, and he beat Kenny Omega, making him pass out to the Brutalizer. Now, following the All In, All Out show, I'm sorry. During Page's post-event interview, he was interrupted by Pac, who said he had returned to AEW to get revenge on him. They then had faced each other um, on October 2nd, uh, the debut episode of AEW Dynamite, and Pac won. Uh, Two weeks later, Pac then teamed with Omega and got the better end of the deal, defeating Pac and actually pinning him in the process, if I'm not mistaken. And we now have somewhat of a rubber match. Pac pinned Hangman. Hangman pinned Pac. So what do we do? If I were booking it, I'm all about the bastard. I am all about Pac winning this matchup. I can just see Pac being a future world title contender. I can just see Pac just being not, I wouldn't say the next man up, but in the future, he may be the one to the throne, whoever will end up being AEW World Champion. I think right now, Pac is the hot hand. Pac is the hot hand right the fuck now. Nothing should be stopping Pac from doing what he wants to do. I don't even think he gives a shit about the AEW world title. But right now, Pac is your hot hand. I give the win to Pac. I can't wait to see this matchup. This matchup is going to be a wonderful fucking matchup. Santana and Ortiz taking on the Young Bucks. At All Out. Santana and Ortiz made their AEW debut. A lot of people were speculating LAX, then known as LAX, to leave Impact and go straight to AEW. A lot of speculation were was about coming about um, possibly getting offers from WWE, AEW, but it was clear that all out. Santana and Ortiz were all elite. Attacking the Young Bucks following their uh, match matchup. Now, I believe before that, 
AEW, uh, they were actually, they actually attacked um, Lucha, the Lucha Bros and Young Bucks. I believe that was probably an all-out, if I'm not mistaken. And they then teamed with Chris Jericho to take on the Elite, which was Kenny and, Kenny and the Young Bucks, and actually defeated them in six-man tag team action. They would then go on to join Chris Jericho's faction, the Inner Circle, and they actually challenged, well, Chris Jericho actually challenged, laid down the challenge to the Young Bucks to face Santino Uno Ortiz at full gear. The Bucks, of course, accepted. This is the more interesting matchup between these two teams. On one hand, you have the Bucks that could definitely use a victory and get the comeuppance over Santana and Ortiz. On the other hand, you have Santana and Ortiz. And a win for them would definitely help solidify them as major players in the tag team division going forward. So, what do you do? Me personally, if you're pointing a gun to my head and you're telling me, Ed, you have to book a winner. You have to pick a winner for this. You got. I will tell you just like I would tell the gun. First and foremost, you're going to put that gun down. And you're going to listen to what I have to say. After that, do what you will. When it comes down to it. I think Santana and Ortiz need this win more than the Young Bucks need this win. If we're trying to establish tag teams in the division, having Santana and Ortiz lose would not be the best of ideas. And that's being brutally honest with y'all. This will help solidify them as a major player in the tag team division. This will also help the cause of the inner circle. Santana and Ortiz need the victory. Not only for the inner circle, but to help solidify their place in the tag team division. That's as real as it gets. Now get back to the gun. But let's be real. I want, I would love to see, as much as I would love to see the Young Bucks win, and getting their win would have them get their comeuppance, I think Santana and Ortiz, that they just need this more. They just need this to help not only help the inner circle, but they have, they have their place in that division. Because we know Santana and Ortiz are going to be major players for the World Tag Team Championships. We know this. This helps their case. So why not give them the victory? It's going to be a dope matchup. These two teams are going to beat the living hell out of each other. But in the end, Santana and Ortiz, pride and powerful, get the job done. Let me see if there's, make sure there's no other non-title matches before we get into... Here's the one thing I'm surprised about. I'm actually surprised that Priestley Baker is on the buy-in show instead of Janela versus Spears. But if you think about it, 
this is the buy-in show. And you have to get fans invested. Especially if this is your first time. B. Priestley versus Britt Baker is definitely a matchup that will get you to want to buy AEW Full Gear. I'm buying AEW Full Gear. I'm definitely going to be watching AEW Full Gear for sure. Definitely this weekend, but not Saturday night. Um, I do have a prior uh, engagement with my boy, with my squadron, my boys, who I haven't seen in um, uh, about a month or so. So I will not be watching it live. And trust me, I will not be checking my phone for spoilers unless they have it at, unless they are displaying it at the place we may be at, depending on what we're going to be doing that night. Um, I will not be checking my phone for any of in this. I'm going to let this be known right now. If you loyal goon spoil anything because trust me Twitter will do Twitter will do the job for you if you slide in my DMs and tell me so and so beat this person or you do something along the lines of just spoiling the card for me I will not hesitate to block you into oblivion and you don't go to your friends and try to tell them to come to my DMs and unblock you it will not happen don't do it because I am going to more than more than likely watch the next day and yeah so no spoilers please or you will be blocked trust me when I tell you you have been warned, and I am not playing. Now we can get into the meat and potatoes of this card. The championship matches, the big matches of the card. We'll kick it off with the AEW Women's World Championship. Rio, Lil Miss Rio, and Emmy Sakura. Now, this is a story of Trainer versus student. Last night, we all saw Emi Sakura pin the AEW Women's World Champion Rio in a tag team matchup where she teamed with Jamie Hayter and Rio tied up with tied up with Shayna. Decent matchup. Went a little longer than I expected, but Emi Sakura pinning Rio kind of gave you the hint as to who would actually win already. And I don't see Rio losing anytime soon. I really honestly don't. I think it's going to be a decent match. I think Sakura and Rio are going to have a good matchup against each other. I'm sure they faced each other plenty of times when they were over in Japan. But right now, Rio's just too over right now with the crowd. The fans love them some Rio. I think it's definitely been built over since the last six weeks. Anytime Rio has come out, she has come out to huge fanfare. They have definitely come out to huge fanfare. And there's nothing wrong with that. I expect a decent match out of these two. But Rio right now has a hot hand. When it comes to being the AEW Women's World Champion, there will be a day she loses it. 
Saturday just won't be that night. Not yet. There will be a day, just not Saturday night. Now it's probably the quickest one you'll probably get from me. The three-way tag team match for the AEW World Tag Team Championship between SoCal Uncensored, SCU, a team of Frankie Kazarian and Scorpion Sky, the Lucha Bros, Pentagon Jr. and Phoenix, and Private Party, a team of Isaiah Cassidy and Mark Quinn. This is also another candidate for Match of the Night, but I will mark this as my dark horse for Match of the Night. It's been a while since I've actually said those words in a sentence. But I am really, really high on this matchup for the, for the simple reason that Private Party is the X factor in this matchup. That's that's being dead ass serious. I think that these this is going to be a solid matchup. I think all three teams are going to go balls to the wall on Saturday night. I really do think that. They're going to go balls to the wall on Saturday night. And they're probably going to give you one of the best matches of the night. And that's something I definitely can't wait to talk about this Monday. I think this will be the one match we look back on this weekend and say, damn, that was a great match. That was a very good match between these three three teams. They are the best three teams we have right now. In terms of rankings of the division... These are your top three. Santino and Ortiz are coming to the will come into the picture soon. Jurassic Express, once they get Luchasaurus back, we'll get back into the title picture. The hybrid two is gonna be on a come up. Dark Order will make will have their time soon. Not now, but probably sometime next year. But I but see, this is gonna be it's it's that one this is that one match where any of these three teams could win it. But for my money, it's very simple. They just won the championships literally last week. I'm gonna go with SCU to retain. I think it's it, it, it and the only concern I have about this is that they won the titles too soon. Or should I say, they are defending the championships a little too soon. But they wanted, they did want to get this match in the car. They needed a title defense for their car. I totally get that. That That's fine with me. Perfectly okay with that. Totally get it. This is going to be a fun matchup for all parties involved. They are going to absolutely kill it out there on Saturday night. In the end, though, SCU squeaks it out. And they make the best of that situation. All three part, all three teams are going to go with balls to the wall. It's going to be a fun matchup to see. I can't wait to see this matchup because they are... This is just going to be fun. This is going to be so much fun to watch. And... Anything can happen in that matchup. Anything can happen in this kind of matchup. Um, we all know the tag champions will not do not have to be pinned. 
One fall to a finish? We know this. I'm curious to see what they're going to do. How they're going to be, how they're going to, you know, be a little bit different in this matchup. SCU, though, will retain just a little bit too soon to take the titles off them since they just won it last week. The last two matchups of this card are going to, are the most significant matches so far in AEW's history. Now, being dead fucking serious about this. Let's start with the AEW World Championship. Because from what I'm hearing, Moxley versus Omega is going to main event the card. But the simple fact that it is a non-sanctioned lights out match, which I still don't know what the fuck that is, and we're going to find out this weekend. You have Le Champion looking to defeat Cody and have a little bit of the bubbly. After his title defense, he's already defended, I believe, once before against Darby Allen in what I thought was a dope-ass match. But for Cody, this is the big one. He's laying it all on the line. So we looked at Wikipedia to tell the story. Quote, at All Out, Chris Jericho defeated Adam Page to become the inaugural AEW World Champion, while on the undercard, Cody defeated Sean Spears to improve his singles match win-loss draw record to 2-0-1. Due to his record, he was granted an AEW World Championship match against Jericho at full gear. On the November 6th episode, yesterday's episode, last night's episode of AEW Dynamite, he had, Cody had announced... That if he did not win at full gear, he would never challenge for the championship ever again. With that banging ass promo that he cut last night. Chris Jericho did say it right. This was this is gonna be the most important match in AEW's history. Because it is. He wasn't wrong there. I've been racking my brain about this ever since the debut episode of AEW Dynamite. And I'm being very serious with y'all. I sat there week after week while I'm at work thinking about all the pot, thinking about going back and forth who could win this matchup and how logical could they make it. Here's my thought process on it. I take you back to AEW's All Out. Where either man had a case to win the championship. Hangman Page, of course, being the young, vibrant talent. But I knew in the end, Chris Jericho needed to be the one to solidify the title. Fortunately, I was correct in my assumptions. Chris Jericho did defeat Hangman Page and became the AEW World Champion. 
Look at what we got out of it ever since. And there were some people that's, that were really pissed off at the fact that Jericho won the championship over Paige. In the long one, long run, we were correct in our assumptions. I now come back to present day. Chris Jericho is champion. Losing the title would be a tad bit too soon. To some people. I can see that. I can agree with that statement. He's only been the champion for less than three months. Cody, though, does have a case. He really does. This would be his one and only chance to become AEW World Champion. If he wins it, not only will he get one of the biggest pops of the year, but he would then become AEW World Champion. He will become a World Champion for the first time in his career. And he would actually, in a sense, give the middle finger to WWE. For not seeing him as world championship material. What do you do? What do you really do here? I guess my better judgment. I'm kidding. It's not against my better judgment. I'm going with Chris Jericho to defeat Cody and retain the and retain the AEW World Championship. I would love Cody to become AEW World Champion. Don't get me wrong, one fucking bit. I think that would be a magical moment for a lot of people to see Cody Rhodes solidify solidify his place in wrestling and literally give the finger the middle finger to Vince McMahon who never really believed he could be world championship material but I think at this very moment Chris Jericho retaining the world title does help him it helps solidify the inner circle, knowing that their leader is still world champion. I think it's going to be a, a really good matchup. I think these two are going to go all out. I think these. I don't think it will go the sixty minute time limit. And there are judges that will take care of it and will judge the matchup. If it does go to a time limit draw, I don't think we'll need the time limit draw for this one. I don't think we want to leave it in the hands of judges. One fall to a finish within the 60 minute time limit, Chris Jericho remain will remain your AEW world champion. And to close out the predictions, John Moxley. Versus Kenny Omega. 
in a non-sanctioned Lights Out match. Now, I don't know for the life of me what in the fuck a non-sanctioned Lights Out match is. I, I don't know what that is. I really don't. I, I honestly don't know what the fuck it is. Your guess would be as good as mine, but let's try to... Um, Let's try to figure this out. So unsanctioned, we already know. It's pretty much AEW is not going to be held responsible for what Moxley and Omega are going to do to each other. So what a unsanctioned lights out matches was basically the same thing that Janela and Omega had to deal with. Uh, I believe it, um, Fight for the Fallen. What Wikipedia states it as, and y'all know Wikipedia is about the most troll thing on the internet, and if you trust me when I tell you, if you haven't seen the most troll thing on the internet, go to Wikipedia and look up somebody. So they state, and I quote, another variant of a no-disqualification match is a non-sanctioned match, which is also called a lights-out match. In this variation, there are no rules with the exception of the pinfall or submission and the match is not officially recognized by the promotion. In kayfabe, breaking the fourth wall here, the promotion is not held liable for what happens to the wrestlers during an unsanctioned match. So that's pretty much what it is. AEW is not going to be held responsible for what Moxley and Omega do to each other. And I'm perfectly fine with that. This has been one of the better rivalries in AEW. At double or nothing, Moxley appeared from the crowd when he attacked both Jericho and Omega. Omega fought back and brawled on the end of stage where Moxley put Omega through the stage with a standing fireman's carry takeover. The match was supposed to be announced for all out. However, the match was canceled due to Moxley suffering an elbow injury. On September 4th, their match was now then rescheduled for full gear. On the October 9th episode of Dynamite, at the end of Moxley's match against Sean Spears, Omega arrives on the entrance ramp with a broom, with a barbed wire broom and baseball bat. He then threw the bat towards Moxley, pot blindsided Omega with a steel chair. Unwilling to attack an unconscious Omega and wanting a fair fight, Moxley dropped the bat and walked backstage. On the October 30th episode of Dynamite, it was announced that Moxley and Omega's match would then be known and recognized as an unsanctioned Lights Out match. This match should end the show. Given the fact that it's unsanctioned, given the fact that pretty much once the last, the main event is over, that's pretty much technically your end of the show. Cody and Jericho will be your technical main event. But this is the real main event. Fans have been waiting for this for damn near three months. And now we get to see it on Saturday night. Both men fully healthy. Both men ready to go. Both men ready to destroy each other and willing to put their bodies on the line to do so. No one will be disappointed in this matchup. I 
I can see either man winning. And that's the best part about it. Either man can win this matchup and it would completely be justified. But for my money, I'm going with John Moxley to defeat Kenny Omega. I have no doubt in my mind that if Moxley Omega happened at all out, Moxley would have defeated Omega anyway. I think Moxley needs this more than Omega needs this. To solidify Moxley as a viable, not only a viable contender for the AEW World Championship, but as a major player in the AEW main event scene, you need to give Moxley this victory. I personally believe in my heart of hearts, Moxley would have beaten Omega at all out. I think a lot of people would have agreed with me on that. I still believe that. And I believe it now. This is going to be an awesome matchup. This could be match of the year candidate if they really put it all together. We'll see what happens. We will see what happens. But for my money, I'm going to go with John Moxley to defeat Kenny Omega. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is your AEW Full Gear preview and predictions and that is the end of episode 127 of the Young Lions perspective so we're going to take one last break we're going to check out our sponsor let's do our sponsor real quick and then we're going to get you ready for episode 128 of the Young Lions perspective and close out the show as we always do in proper YLP fashion stay tuned be right back Well, guys, that's going to be it for episode 127 of the Young Lions Perspective. Your Dynamite Love and AEW Full Gear Preview Predictions. I know it was a very long and packed show, but I hope you enjoyed every single bit of it. And I hope you enjoyed your day, your night, your afternoon, your evening, wherever you stay, wherever you are in the world. Thank you guys so much for taking out this episode of the podcast. And as always, I appreciate it. As I said at the beginning of this episode, Please vote for the Young Lions perspective for newcomer of the year. If you didn't hear it the first time, I'm going to tell it to you again. And every day after that, and every episode, I should say, after this, until voting does close. When I find out voting does close, I will let you know as soon as possible. Go to my Twitter page, at SwedeSenatorWWI. That's S-U-E-D-E-S-E-N-A-T-O-R, capital W, capital W, capital I. Go to my pinned tweet that I have retweeted for the Russell Hub, who is sponsoring the actual wrestling podcast awards. Go vote. Vote for who you want to win podcast of the year and all that. But keep in mind, when it comes to newcomer of the year, newcomer of the year you show love one time for the Young Lions perspective. You only get to vote once, so definitely make it count. Like I said, Young Lions perspective for newcomer of the year. We are going for that title, and I would love nothing more than to, to come on here after the Wrestling Podcast Awards and say, you know, Wrestling Podcast Awards winner, Newcomer of the Year, Young Lions Perspective, because this would mean as much to me 
as it will mean to you. I promise you that without y'all, this podcast is nothing without, honestly, you guys. Anyway, getting back into the swing of things, if you enjoyed this episode, do not hesitate to tell a friend to tell a friend about the Young Lions. Share this episode across all of your social media, your Instagrams, your Facebooks, your Twitters. Share this episode. Let the people know that the Young Lions perspective is your alternative for professional wrestling podcast and that we are here to stay. If you have any opinions on today's episode, who you think is going to win at AEW Full Gear, if there's any loves or hates that I missed throughout the um from last night's episode of AEW Dynamite, and you want to let me know what you thought, hit me up with a voice message, anchor.fm slash perspective. Leave me a voice message. Let me know what you thought about, you know, Dynamite last night, anything like that, who you think's going to win on the card for Saturday night's full gear. And if I like it enough, guarantee you, I will feature it on a future episode of the Young Lions Perspective Podcast. If you want to stay up to date with everything that is Young Lions Perspective on my social media, any breaking news I may put out, any 60-second videos I may have, you know, clowning, you know, SmackDown for something they stupid they did on their show, anything like that, hit me up on my social media, on Twitter, again, at SwedeSenatorWWI, that's S-U-E-D-E, S-E-N-A-T-O-R, Capital W, capital W, capital I. I do live tweeting for AEW. SmackDown. Every AEW live pay-per-view, with the exception of possibly this one on Saturday night, due to a prior engagement that I do have. Every live WWE pay-per-view. And on the rare occasion, I'm up at 1, between the hours of 1 and 3 a.m., and I have nothing else better to do. I do live tweet for New Japan Pro Wrestling as well. If you want to follow me over on my Instagram page, Follow me over there at young underscore lions underscore perspective, the mothership that is the YLP universe. Follow me on both of those platforms to stay up to date with everything that is going on with the Young Lions Perspective podcast. Episode 128 will go down tomorrow. NXT love hate. I cannot wait to see this episode. I heard I saw great things coming out of this episode. A lot of people were very excited about what happened last night on the episode of NXT. And I can't wait to talk about it with you guys tomorrow. So before we head out, I, of course, y'all know it is Thursday. And that means we are making our Thursday night football predictions on the menu tonight. It is the Los Angeles Chargers taking on the Oakland Raiders. It is going to be closer than the experts think. And I and of course, this is going to be a proper shootout. I am going with the LA Chargers to defeat the Oakland Raiders by the score of 30 to 28. So, with that being said, guys, enjoy the rest of your evening. And I'll see you guys tomorrow for episode 128 of the Young Lions Perspective. See you.